Hello and welcome back to Pajaritos. This is your host, Daniel Villasquivel, and today's guest is particularly exciting for me. Not only is she one of the original founders of the Alliance of Latinx Theater Artists, but she's also partly to blame for the reason why I got into Latinx Theater at all. I'll let her take care of the introductions, though. Hi, I'm Tania Saracho. My pronouns are her, she. And I am currently the showrunner for Star's original called Vida. I am, I guess I have to say formerly of Chicago, but in my heart I still, I'm still here. I was very involved in the Chicago Latino theater community here, and, um, and I still miss it all the time. So, without further ado, this is Pajaritos, a Chicago Latinx theater podcast. So, if you can tell me about the first theater experience you ever had. The first theater experience I ever had, well, I'll tell you about the Emperor's New Clothes. So I was born in Mexico, and we were there until I was around 12, 13. And then we came to McAllen, Texas, which is a border town, right? And because my dad had gotten me, this is so illegal, but he had gotten me um, a Mexican driver's license at 14, and um, he gave me a silver Camaro, 1972 silver Camaro, and a Mexican driver's license. I could barely drive, but this town wasn't that big, and there were auditions for the upcoming, like in the high school, but we, we went to an all ninth grade high school, like school, and they were having auditions for Emperor's New Clothes, and I just wanted to drive my car. So I was like, I want to drive you guys to that audition thing that you guys keep talking about. Like, I had like three friends that wanted to audition. So I like... Got in the, we got in the car, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm driving my friends. This is so awesome. And I was like, I'll stay with you, and then I'll drive you guys back. I just wanted to drive. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, here here I am, and it's like Emperor's New Clothes. And then the professor, the, not professor, there were teachers then, right? <laughs> Teacher, Mr. Farr, the drama director, throws me a script and goes, if you're here, you have to audition. You have to read. And I have to tell you, my accent was really, like, strong. Like, I was always, like, a ham, but I never, you know. And I had done some poetry, like, reading stuff, but, like, this was, like, a show, you know? Anyway, he threw it at me. I got up there, and I was like, this is fun. And I got the Empress and the Empress New Clothes. But I'm telling you, my English was, it was sketchy, and, like, <laughs> I, I could bear, like, I don't even know if I but but I got it. And then that's when I got the bug, and then that was it. After that, I got the leading player in Pippin, because it turns out I could sing, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, it just opened up a whole, because I was driving my friends to, like, <laughs> this thing. So that was, like, how it all started. That's really fantastic. Yeah. I've never heard anybody say that the reason why they got in is because of a silver Camaro. Because a 1972 silver Camaro oh. that my dad got me. Yeah. <laughs> and then two weeks later, I left the keys in it with the windows down, and they stole it. Oh. I had it two weeks. Oh. You don't give a 14-year-old a car like that. You know what I mean? That was so stupid. But then they gave, he gave me, like, a Taurus station wagon after that, which is what I deserved. But I could fit more friends in there. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Oh, I miss Texas. <laughs> so... Why did you go from being the empress to being the leading player to decide this is what you wanted to do with your career? Well, it's so addictive to get laughter and applause. And that's real. That's like a lot. It's like validation of some sort. You know, like if we're being real, that's, oh, my God, they're clapping. I'm going <laughs> to do more stuff, you know. Like, so you become addicted to that. So every year it was, I was like in every play, you know, like Gypsy and da, da, da. And we had a really good drama program in Mackay, McAllen High School. Uh, and we competed at the state level, so like, 
when we got to stay, we got second place with I, I Remember Mama. So it was a bunch of Mexicans playing Norwegians because we were so, the, like, you know, the border is so Mexican. Nobody told us there's not something you can't do. Like, there's, mm-hmm. there isn't. Like, you can do whatever you want. Now, when I got to Boston University, then it was like, oh, right, I'm Mexican. And that's a thing. Like, that's a thing that's going to put obstacles in your path, you know. But at Mac High, because we were all sort of the same, you know, we could do anything we wanted, you know. Yes, Pippin. Yes, I love, I remember Mama. We did a Shana Madel, which is about, like, a Jewish family. Like, we did we did it all, and we were all just a bunch of, like, Mexican and Mexican-American kids. In fact, I remember Mama, Raul Castillo was in that. Gypsy, Raul Castillo was in that. I mean, I grew up with Raul mm-hmm. um, in the same town. I know there's a story you have to tell me. <laughs> Don't worry, we can... We can tell it off, <laughs> off record. Um, so he was in all those plays. That's where we, that's the fundamentals of, of everything that we are today started there with Mr. Farr and Mac High Drama, you know? Him playing the Mad Hatter and me being the Queen of Hearts, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Him playing the hare and me being the tortoise, like me being a gypsy, he was just in chorus. But I was uh, <laughs> Tessie Tura, the stripper, you know? It was a good foundation because it gave us, like, work ethic. Also, uh, we had a really mean, may he rest in peace, drama teacher, Mr. Farr, who used to call me Fat Girl. It's fine, I forgive him. <laughs> he was, like, really kind of great and horrible at the same time because it instilled this work ethic and this, like, it's not going to be easy, it's not going to be pretty, and we're going to be abused a little bit. And that's exactly what this industry has been, both industries that I've been in, theater and now television. It's a lot of rejection, a lot of abuse, I mean, but a, some awesome stuff, too. So he was great to train us in that, you know, in that work ethic, which sounds horrible. May he rest in peace. <laughs> you went to Boston University. I did. What in your... And so did Raul. So did, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Try to get that story. Well, uh, so I watched Looking because I'm, yeah. you know, a teenage gay man. Yeah, of course who, you like, there's one show. Yeah. yeah. and yeah. It's, I miss Looking. Why is Looking <laughs> not here? I think, I mean, it's the female version of that, mm-hmm. but um, I think you're going to like Vida. Yeah? It's very queer. Good. But it's very female, and which is something a little bit I was missing in Looking, you know? Yeah. But of course I adore Looking. I miss it so much. And all those guys were great, you know, and that writer's room was fantastic and it, it felt like we were doing making like something really special. Why did they take it away? You see queer people like abused and tortured on, on sure. screen all mm-hmm. the time, and that was the one. Or as show. a joke, you know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was the one show where I could watch it and be like, "Wow, I'm really like this is good. This is yeah. peaceful. This is really happy." Mm-hmm. And like, the only person that was tortured was was Patty by himself. Yeah, by himself, which yeah. is like real, you yeah. know. So yeah. Aww. So I, I fell in love with the show and. Um, I kind of fell in love with Raul. Of course, with Richie. Yeah, with Richie. Yeah, with yeah, Richie. Yeah. Um, well, he was kind of perfect. Yeah, he really was. Yeah. And like, but he was such a sincere, honest person. Yeah, he was he really just, like, earnest. He loved yeah. so much. So I like became obsessed with Raul. Mm-hmm. And I Googled him because like everyone's like, who's your favorite actor? I'm like, I don't know. I like this guy. So I started like researching him. And I found that he did a show called Between You, Me, and the Lampshade. Yeah, here. Yeah, at the Atreista. Yeah. And so I started like, researching what was Teatro Vista. And then I found oh out that, God. like, Latinx theater was a thing. So, like, my... Because of freaking Raul? That's amazing! Yeah. So my entire, like, career trajectory, like, where I want to be in my world, is because... That's... I, well, that's the, like, it led you here. But yeah. that was a starting... I love that! And it led you to Alta, to yeah, us. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my 
God. Okay, we have to tell him that. <laughs> I mean, I've known him since we were 14. That's crazy to, like, have someone that has, like, kind of walked in parallel with you mm-hmm. throughout the, like, your school career, both, like, high school, college, and then we both started theater companies, him in Austin, me here, Teatro Luna, and then he went off to New York and then went off to do a lot of playwriting at first. Like, he was part of that group at the, at the public, the Emerging Playwrights Group, and then we were, like, in parallel, and then... We both started in TV in similar times, too. Like, we are in parallel still, too, mm-hmm. like, and supporting each other and stuff, you know? Like, he's the first one I tell, hey, you know, I just got an overall. This is a contract. What do you think about, you know, like, wh- what they're giving me and stuff? Like, so, and he tells me stuff. I just went to see him at Sundance in this You're Gonna Die, this f- movie, We the Animals, yeah. by Joshua Torres, the, the book you mm-hmm. should read. And then he plays a dad, but it's, and he does such a great job. He's good. He's. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> I like cried. Well, that's cool. But that's why we got you. I don't care why we got you. I'm glad we got you. I still consider Alta like linked. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, part of me still wishes I could be more involved, but it's it just gets hectic. You know. Yeah, I can't possibly yeah. imagine. Yeah, it's like impossible sometimes. Why are you in Chicago right now? Um, I am giving a speech or a talk at uh, at the Goodman for their educational um like. Fundraising lunch mm-hmm. tomorrow. They um, and I love the Goodman. The Goodman to watch me grow too. Like not just Chicago, but like they because they had these this before your time. <laughs> but they had these uh, Latino theater festivals. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you were able to catch any of those. And I participated in all of them somehow. It really watched me grow. And then they've done a few of my of my plays, and it's it's very special to me. So like, if they call, I come. You know <laughs> what I mean? It really it nurtured me, and that's that's also real. <laughs> gonna keep, today, that's my phrase. That's real. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, so including your, your experience at the Goodman and your experience with um, Mr. Farr and your experience yes. at Boston University, how do you feel that your education helped prepare you for where you are now? Well, so, like, I'm glad that at BU I was doing this, like, theater studies track where, like, I was in plays... Almost every semester, we were in quarters. We I don't know what they are now, because that was a long time ago when I was in school. And so and then I was in all the, um, Raul and I were both in all the um, playwrights uh, festivals, too. And then I got to direct some stuff. So even there, it started to be like, wait, I could do anything I want when it comes to theater. In fact, that's why I was like, I need to move somewhere where I can start a theater company. And New York didn't seem like the place where you could start a theater company, not to me. Like, I would go visit, and all my friends were, like, having to have three jobs, and were living in, you know, this, you know places the size of this Kleenex box. And I was like, I can't. Also, I'm fat, so I don't like to walk, and I, don't, and I love to eat. So I was like, <laughs> where can I go? And somebody, my friend Matt Gabor, brought, had just come back from Chicago from the same trip, like, where he was like, where do I go next year? And he had just come back from here, and he brought me back some kind of, like, 15th, I don't know what anniversary of Steppenwolf, and it it was, like, a lookbook, or not a program, but, like, it had a big red S, and it was, like, a black background. And he was like, go go to Chicago, look at this book. These people started a theater company, and it went well for them. So it's like, he brings me that, and I was like, wait, what? These people are in the theater company, and they're in TV too? And they did, in film? Oh my God, I'm moving to Chicago. So with two suitcases, without ever being here, I moved to Chicago because I was gonna move here and start a theater company like Steppenwolf and it was gonna work out. (laughs) But it did, it did work out, you know? And it was crazy because when I started working with Steppenwolf, it was like, 
you guys are the reason I came here. Like, it's crazy that I'm like working with a big S, you know, <laughs> the big red S. Um, and that, and now they're like big and huge. I mean, they were big and huge then, but like now. on your feet as you were going? Yes, but also I was never a good student. Like I, <laughs> like, I was good at what I wanted, but like the stuff that I needed to know, like script analysis and shit like that, I was like, no. And then now I'm a terrible script analyst. You know, like if you give me your script, I'm terrible, but I'm, fuck, I'm a showrunner. How do I give my writers notes? I'm terrible at analyzing anything. Um, I wish I would, they would have given us like a business accounting class. So are we, because I'm horrible with my money, and I, I feel like as artists, they need to teach you, like, so this is what it's going to be. You know, you're not going to make money for a while, or if you are, you're going to be, like, a freelancer. Like, as artists, we are our own product and mm -hmm. our own company, you know? So how do you do that? You know, I wish that would have prepared us for that. It's difficult, because you have to spend money in order to make money. And yeah. You have to, like spend so much money on, on professional development, like headshots and acting classes. Mm -hmm. and But, like, you do that, too, with other businesses, but you are not the business. Like, yeah, exactly. you do that, too. Like, let's say that you have, like, a, I don't know, a computer business, right, where you fix computers. But you put money into that, and it's, like, a tangible thing. But when you are yourself, so you're like, wait, it's hard to be the product mm -hmm. and an artist, you know? And they're telling you to brand yourself and to have, like, a social media following. You're like, wait, what does that have to do with the art of it, you know? Yeah. But now it's, you know, I get pitched actors by managers and, and agents with, like, and they have 250,000 Instagram followers. What does that have to do with them being able to do the role? Or they have a million followers, you know? Like, this, I'm like, I, like, it's so crazy. I mean, I just got to... Hollywood or LA, you know, so I don't know that that was a thing, but as soon as I started casting this thing, it's like, well, that's a thing in the resume. It, you, it says how many followers you have. That's, that's insane. What is it? You know what I mean? Like, I don't care, but I guess <laughs> somebody cares because there have been, that's a thing mm -hmm. in a, on a resume, you know, Ugh. but it's also like a very LA thing because I don't think that here people have followings like that like like a serious like Carmen Roman who's like a serious like act middle-aged like um actress that's super respected and amazing it's not she she gets work here in Chicago because she's a fucking goddess you know <laughs> not because she how many followers she has yeah. I don't think any artistic director or casting director here would be like oh well they have these many like Instagram followers mm -hmm. like that's just crazy. So I'm just telling you a phenomenon that I'm noticing that is insane. That's who's making shows. It's a uh, viral stars, mm -hmm. um, blog, uh, vloggers, the you know the vloggers like YouTube and influencers, like people with like six packs that show you in the beach like how I can do yoga, you know. And you're like, well, what does that have to do with you selling a show? I suppose only time will tell. Uh, uh, dude, I, two years from now, you're gonna, I'm going to be working for an influencer. You're going to be like, you're working for an influencer, see? And I'm going to be like, they're amazing. They have great ideas. So I just shut up because I might be working for one of these days. So just to be clear. Just to be clear. Influencers are great. Yeah, no. please, please hire. Yes. Uh, please, please hire, hire all of us. Hire all of us. Oh. oh, oh, oh. Chicago. You packed your bags. You just came over. What did you do in order to find your footing? 
What did you do to make your career happen? You know, that first year is hard. After college, you have to start. First of all, you have to find yourself and then define yourself. And you think you have to do it in that year because you're like, because you're still in school time. And so, like, you get here in the fall, right, when it's supposed to be your beginning of your fall, but not it's not. And you feel like you're playing hooky sometime. And if it's, like, it gets winter and then it gets spring, you're like, fuck, I didn't do the thing I was supposed to do because you, you're still on school time from when you were a kid, you know? <laughs> so that year, it's like some weird clock that's running out, it feels like. But it's not. There is no clock anymore. It's just your own, you know, timeline. And so that that was hard when it was like, wait, so what do I do now? Like, there was no structure, you know? And I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this. That first year, I was like, holy shit, what's going to be my job? And it's so snowy, and I hadn't, I mean, I was in Boston, but nothing prepares you for what we're living like this. And then I was like, what am I going to do for a living? And somebody was like, well, you should be a psychic, because psychics were at 1-800 back in the day. <laughs> they used to have these like uh, late night call a psychic <laughs> but they also used to have phone sex and I, I was like I would never be psychic I respect that too much but I could do phone sex I'm like you have a good voice okay so I became a phone sex operator <laughs> that's how I got into voiceover actually because I realized <laughs> I'm really good with my voice so then I became a phone sex operator and I was the most requested girl in this particular phone you know I did two characters this is a solo that I did with Teatro Luna for a long time. So, don't, like, people in Chicago have heard it. You just, um, <laughs> and, um, I did Carla de Hispanic Vixen, but, like, with a bad Latino accent because <laughs> you, like, they wanted that. They didn't mm-hmm. want, like, a re- my real act. They wanted that, you know? And then, oh, this is so gross. <laughs> I did Tabby, and she was 18, and she went to DePaul. Literally, I said she went to DePaul. And she was like, I'm 18, and I'm just trying to pay my tuition. And that's what I did for months. And I became the most requested girl. And I became so good at it. Like, <laughs> I had a little thing in my house, in my, like, PJs. And then I wrote a solo about it. You know, I mean, I quit. And then I wrote a solo that then became, uh, a sh- like, an ensemble-built show with Death Rona. Was that um, SEXO? Yes. That's exactly what it was. So, like, we toured years and years with that show. Me as a phone sex operator. But what was so cool about Death Rona is that... I said, hi, I'm Tanya Saracho. I was a phone sex operator, and I'm doing the part. And I'm saying I'm Tanya, you know, and I'm telling my own story. And that was like, so it's like a heightened version of reality, but it's also like a testimonial of like, this is what I had to do, you know? <laughs> I bet you didn't think you were going to hear about me being a phone sex operator. No, I didn't, yeah. but I'm, I'm glad, that we, <laughs> I'm glad that we went there. Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of talking about like, this idea of having this problematic view of women and the problematic view of specifically Latina women, um, you created a space for Latina artists in Chicago. I miss it so much. <laughs> um, what called you to that? Why did you feel the need to create this safe space for Latina artists? When we did TL at Teatro Luna, uh, the fr- I'm, I'm only referring to Teatro Luna as the first 10 years of TL. I think they have gone on, but it's very different. I think it's not just Latina and it's not just female now. I think it's something else. Um, but I'm, I'm speaking of the 10 years that I ran it or co-ran it uh, with co-founder Coyapas. Uh, and then when she left, I ran it by myself. I'm speaking of those 10 years. It watches grow. So if you would have 
been there, you would have known the uh, why we started it because we would put it in our ethnographic performance. Like we would say, <laughs> this is why we start. I mean, the second play, the first play we wrote was um, generic Latina, which was the re- like we were all. Koya and I gathered these strangers, these actresses that answered a call on performing. If you're a Latina and an actress, come to this meeting, you know? And we were like, we want to we want to start a company. We didn't know how, you know, and we didn't have money for, like, royalty. So the, it, our necessity, we wrote the plays, mm-hmm. you know? And then the complaint was... Why, if you're a white Cuban and you are, and you are, uh, you know, Afro-Dominican and I am a mestiza Mexican, why are we all being called in for the same thing? So we had to unpack what a generic Latina was, mm-hmm. and we did with our origin stories. Like, kind of, we all wrote about our childhood, and we put that on stage, you know? And then there was a generic Latina that would come in as a stereotype, as a stereotype we thought, and at, at the end of every monologue, she would, like, but I'm not that thing, you know? So it was very, like... Basic, but we had to get that shit out of our mm-hmm. system, you know, generic Latina. And then the next one we built was the Maria Chronicles because still we were going, all of us were actresses, and we were all going in for the Maria roles, as we call them. Like, we all had to audition with the same, just Mr. Johnson, you know, like that's mm-hmm. the, there was only one place for us in mm-hmm. this medium, you know. So then we unpacked that with a show called Maria Chronicles. And so the shows grew with us, you know. One of the members was 19 when we started. I was 22. That member then had a baby. Well, we wrote a piece about that. Oh, we should write about a baby. I'm trying to get pregnant. Oh, wait, hold on. So it grew with us. The 10 years that I was with it, it's like from 22 to 32, it's like these former, your 20s, you know, and you're mm-hmm. fucking figuring everything out. And we were able to figure it out on stage. And that was so magical. I love who we were and how we built stuff, you know. We were towards the end, I think the last two shows we did, Lunaticas and Machos, we were getting really, I thought, sophisticated with our, like, um, devising. And then we and then we kind of disbanded that. Sometimes I'm like, God, if I would have just stayed a little bit longer, we would have, like, done that less next level thing, mm-hmm. you know? But it wasn't, it wasn't, for, like, it wasn't meant to be. And if I hadn't left, I, to be real, you know, we had, we had a tumultuous, like, split. It, like, there was a schism down the middle, and... It split, you know, and it just kind of, like, imploded, then exploded. So, and then, you know, not half or I don't know how many people, like, sort of stayed with the theater and then the rest of us left. Um, but if it hadn't, and this is this is real, like, see, my quote of the day, like, my, my <laughs> tagline of the day. If, I, if, if this hadn't happened and the universe hadn't ripped TL out of my hands, I would not be running a show on stars right now. Mm. Because I could have stayed 20, 25 years. But then it kind of got ripped out, and it was the best thing because that week, and I was crying, and I was like, oh, my God, this beautiful thing we had for 10 years, you know? But it's like you have to listen to universe when it says that was that, and the next thing is coming, you know? Mm-hmm. That week, like, Sundance came for me. Mm-hmm. Like, there was, like, public theater thing. Like, it was all these things just opened up. It's like the world was like you were stuck, like, because it was so comfortable, you know? Mm -hmm. It was so comfortable with my girls, like, we're going to just keep doing this forever and never and ever. And then off I went into the American Regional Theater, and that was a new thing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then TV. So, like, it, it, that face had to close in spite of me. (laughs) I didn't close it myself, you know? I would Mm -hmm. would still be running that thing, you know, if that hadn't happened. And then I would have a Mm T-shirt. Everything happens for a reason. It's that that's like the most annoying thing to hear while it's happening, but it's so real, <laughs> right? Because it's it's so real. Oh mm-hmm. my god, I'm so annoying. <laughs> <laughs>
But it is. Si mañana te pinto a tu celular de nuevo. Just like every episode, it's time for me to jump in for a little bit of Pajaritos business. First, I would like to take the time to thank the Alliance of Latinx Theater Artists, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Thank you for the connections, thank you for the equipment, and thank you for the support in and out of the podcast. Thank you for everything. I also want to thank you, our listeners. I've been going over the data, and with every new episode that comes out, we have more and more people downloading the episodes and listening to the episodes and sharing the episodes. So please, please leave a review if you like it. Leave a review if you hate it and tell me what I can improve. And if you like it enough to share it with a friend, please do so. And you know what? Send me a shout out. Find me on Facebook or, you know, send Alta a message. Whatever it is. I'd love to hear what you have to say about this podcast. Thank you to Mayama Sebastian for the use of our theme song, La Fiesta from the album El Hambre. I would also like to take a moment to thank Leanne Torsky and Kathy Taylor for establishing a relationship between Pajaritos and the Alliance of Latinx Theater Artists and theater companies from all over Chicago. They have put me on press lists so that I'm able to see performances from Steppenwolf and Victory Gardens and Looking Glass, and because of that, I'm able to have actual and substantiated conversations during these interviews. So thank you so much for not only making me a better theater artist, but also making each of these episodes better and more interesting. And finally, I want to say thank you to Jeremy McCarter. Jeremy contacted me a couple months ago to express his excitement around the Pajaritos project. And every now and again, he'll send me an email checking in to see how the project is doing and to see how I'm doing. Jeremy is the founder and the executive producer of a brand new nonprofit organization right here in Chicago called the Make Believe Association. The Make Believe Association offers readings and concerts and conversations that help us make sense of ourselves and our times. The association is brand new, and it sounds like the stuff coming out of this organization is really exciting, and I implore you to check it out and to see what Jeremy and the Make Believe Association has to offer. Normally, this would be an opportunity for the artists to share some of their work, but I'm going to break the rules a little bit. Danya Saracho's new show that she discussed, Vida, is out now on Stars, And the best part about it is the first episode is offered free. So if you go online, if you Google Stars Vida, the first thing that'll come up is Tanya Saracho's new show. So instead of me sharing her artwork, why don't you take the opportunity to go out and find her artwork on your own and support our Latinx theater artists, especially somebody who founded the Alliance of Latinx Theater Artists. Plus, I've seen it and it's excellent. It's been getting rave reviews all over and also Queer representation matters, Latinx representation matters, and to combine the two, hell yeah. Don't waste another second. In fact, I wouldn't be offended if you paused the podcast right here and went to go watch the episode. That's how excited I am about this show. So, thank you. And until next time, this has been Daniel Villasquivel with Pajaritos, Chicago Latinx Theater Podcast. Adentro no está, afuera está Adentro Adentro